Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, here with 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. History in Cleveland. The Indians are now the American League record standard holder. Allen into the motion, the wind in the pitch. Swung on, ripped to left. Chisinau coming on. Slides, he made the catch. Ball game. And mark it down, folks. History on September 13th of 2017. 21 consecutive wins for the Indians. That happened, uh, that play about, about a half hour, 45 minutes ago. And that was the closeout. With Tom Hamilton on the call, what a run for Cleveland. Question is, can they have a run like that in October? Just a fair question to ask. And But what they've done is something in the American League we have never seen before. Winning 21 consecutive games. Fabulous. Corey Kluber won last night. Kluber is really... When I was talking about the ace pitchers in baseball, and I mentioned Kershaw, Shearzer, Sale, I inadvertently left... Corey Kluber out. That was completely my fault. Kluber is, can walk side by side with any of them. He is really good. Yeah, when you're talking Indians with the, with the great balance with pitching. I mean, not just with you know the starters, but the pen, and then you, you tack on what they have on offense with Edwin and Canarcion. I mean, they got a chance to, really great chance to get back to the series. Well, they've got the bullpen, and Andrew Miller's about to be reactivated. They think they'll be able to get him into action in some form on Thursday, coming off a knee. Yeah, I brought up balance just because of the fact when you talk about, like, let's say the Washington right. Nationals, the team, you know, the first team to get, you know, qualify into the postseason. That was the big thing we heard earlier this year. Yeah, they had a great starting rotation, but uh, the last thing Nationals fans wanted to talk about was their bullpen. Exactly. And you're right. Cleveland's bullpen, they can throw anybody out there. Allen, now that if, by getting Miller in, Miller's the most versatile reliever in all of baseball. If you need him to close, he can close. You need to get three innings out of him in the middle, he'll give you three innings in the middle. If you need him to set up in the eighth, he'll set up in the eighth. His versatility is just gives Terry Francona all sorts of options. And they'll get Miller back on Thursday. They say they want to wean him back in. They think it's a good time for them to do it. And he is, he'll be off the DL and probably pitching an inning tomorrow. I'll say this right now. I think that's the one team I'm going to hang my hat on for the postseason is Cleveland, just for the fact that, you know, Francona had the health scare you know, right around the all-star break. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I would think, I, I would think, it, I, got, I go so far as to say if Cleveland wins the World Series, I would think without a doubt Francona gets in the Hall of Fame. Wouldn't you think? That to be considered for, considering what he did with the Red Sox twice and now now this. You're taking two long-time franchises. You'd be winning your first World Series in 86 years with one, the Red Sox. Then, of course, coming back in seven and winning it again. And then another one that has gone, what, 59 years since their last World Series? No, more than that, 69 years. 69 years. I mean, to do that with two different franchises is pretty impressive. They're good. And one of the areas where they're good goes back to a guy I talked about last offseason. Remember, I was talking about offseason moves, and you asked me about no David Ortiz. I said, what should you ask me what I thought the Red Sox should do? And I said, look, there's a free agent in Toronto named Encarnacion. He'd be perfect for Fenway Park. Well, they didn't sign the Indians did. Guess who's got 34 home runs? Encarnacion. Guess which team has a power outage when it comes to home runs? The Red Sox. I feel like on that one, the Indians did really, really well. It just gave another little boost to that lineup to go with Lindor, who's really good. I like Chisenhall. I mean, I like Santana, Ramirez. They're they're getting Kipnis back. Kipnis is a heck of a player. He had a really outstanding World Series last year. So... Now's, now's the time we're about to find out. Indians are close to clinching. They started out this streak 13 games over 500. They are now 34 games over 500 with their win today. Uh, truly remarkable. Uh, they set the American League record today. Jay Bruce homered off Buck Farmer. Mike Clevenger won it. That's uh, his fourth consecutive win. The Indians have also now matched the 1935 Cubs for the second longest streak since 1900. The run has put Cleveland within five games of catching the 1916 New York Giants, who went 26 games without a loss, but they were 25-0-1 in their 26-game streak. The Indians have not lost in 20 days. They've barely been challenged during the late-season run. Now, they did have to overcome an error in this game today. Who committed that error? Because that'll be the person running laps. Roberto Perez homered. They used four relievers today. At 29,000 for a day game. Streak began with a 13-6 win over... And this is interesting. The streak began with a 13-6 win over Red Sox ace Chris Sale on August 23rd. People forget that that was a makeup game. The Red Sox had uh, were on a roll when they had played earlier, and the Red Sox won the t- won two games in the series. And you now, the way things were going, the Indians were not going to probably beat them in the, in that game either. And good chance the Red Sox would have swept, but they had to make up the game later. And when they did, they won thirteen to six, and they just they just thrashed him. Cleveland starters are 19-0 and during the 21-game winning streak. Cleveland starters have a 1.70 ERA. 
They have outscored the opponents, as we mentioned earlier, 139-35. to They have, in the 189 innings of the streak, they have trailed for a grand total of four innings. Okay. The pitchers have given up 35 runs during the streak. The Indians in the streak have hit 40 home runs. Amazing. Uh, their magic number for winning their second straight American League Central is now four. They've now passed the Astros for the league's best record, which comes into play in postseason because the team with the best record in postseason has home field. Really is an amazing run by them. Oh, and by the way, what's next? Tomorrow they open up a four-game homestand against Kansas City. Some kids, by the way, kept their kids home from school and brought them to Progressive Field. They cheered every two-strike count like it was October. Now, I realize that there will be some people critical of what of what I'm about to say. But you know what? Good for them. I'm Ab- glad they took them to the ballpark. Absolutely, yeah. You don't want to know why? You've got all these days of school in your lifetime, all of them. It's okay once in a while when you think, when a parent thinks, hey, here's something special, let's have some fun with it, do it. Okay? I'll bet whomever, whatever kids went to the game got more out of going to the game, especially with their parents, family bonding, than in the classroom. Every once in a while, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Some some may be critical of it, and I understand why you would be. If you know, but that's I feel strongly about. Hey, good for them. I'm yeah, but you're not leaving the kids uh, at at home unsupervised playing rocks on the street. That's completely different. Right. Now playing Detroit helps. Detroit's lost eleven to twelve. And Josh Timlin will get the ball against uh, Jacob Junis of the Royals tomorrow. Junis is a uh, is a is a rookie. Tomlin pitched in last year's playoffs, as a matter of fact. And Tomlin, in his last six starts, 5-0 and with a 2.57 ERA. The beat just goes on for Cleveland. That is a, what a great streak for them. It's great for the city. As much as LeBron and everybody electrified this city over winning the first title since 1964... I think if the Indians won, it might be even an even bigger event there because it's been 69 years. Now, if the Browns ever won, that'd be the biggest of all. That is a football town. Make no mistake. I'll tell you who's a, just a great player is Francisco Lindor. I watched the game last night when it was uh, their 20th win in a row. And Kluber was great last night, but just the way they play, they just, the Indians are playing with such confidence. Great, great confidence. Good for them. It's 21 wins in a row. Also today, the Yankees lead the Rays 3-1, bottom of the eighth at City Field. White Sox lead the Royals 3-1, bottom of the sixth. Just to get you up to date on what's going on on the scoreboard today. 
It's a Wednesday, no college football, but when we get to November, there will be. <laughs> It'll be a Mac game, probably. I thought there would be, like, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday Mac games this year, and that's probably what? That's starting October, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, I think from October 27th on, I don't think there's a Mac game on Saturday. Uh, let's see. NFL hints that Elliott will serve suspension late in season. Um, that would not be good for Dallas. They won't rule out Zeke serving a suspension later in the year. They don't say when. He's definitely playing against the Broncos this week. But they say it's very murky after this as to what they're going to do. And they say he might have to serve it later in the year. Now, there's a lot of legal twists and turns in this before we get there. Uh, Kenley Jansen says that the Dodgers are still better than the Indians. Both have gone through great, great streaks. The difference is the Indians are currently on theirs. The Dodgers just snapped an 11-game losing streak after playing phenomenal off-the-charts baseball, the Dodgers, over a three-month span. I mean, really impressive. Lately, though, not so much. Then there's uh, this one. The uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame has accidentally nominated the wrong Steve Smith. One thing, he's not eligible. Uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame released its 108 modern-era nominees for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The, many of the usual suspects highlighting the list, such as Ray Lewis, Randy Moss, and among them, former NFL receiver Steve Smith. One problem is the former receiver is not eligible. He's not been retired long enough. Just retired after the 2017 season. Instead, it's the former Giants, Eagles, and Rams wide receiver, number 12 in your hearts, Steve Smith out of USC, who ended his career in 2015. Briefly a fantasy football darling, he caught 107 passes for 1,220 yards and seven touchdowns in 2009. Um, he will be buying tickets to the Pro Football Hall of Fame because he will not be entering it. The real Steve Smith, by the way, from the Ravens and Carolina Panthers has, I think, a very good shot of eventually down the road getting there. Tough, tough guy. Uh, Clemson will play against Louisville on Saturday night. It'll be opposite Penn State, obviously. What is really interesting about this is as follows. There's been a lot of talk about Lamar Jackson, the defending Heisman Trophy winner. And he is a really good college quarterback. In fact, I think he's got some something in him where he can play in the pros. And you know, we all know what a great scrambler Jackson is. And working with Bobby Petrino, you can see that he has become a better player in the pocket. But you know what's interesting about Jackson is a lot of people have not 
initially, I mean, they talk about who are the Heisman candidates of this year. Well, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Saquon Barkley, uh, Baker Mayfield. All of them are mentioned in general, but not the defending Heisman winner, Lamar Jackson. There's a reason for this. Lamar Jackson, and I don't have a Heisman vote. Lamar Jackson got off to a phenomenal start last year. I mean, really phenomenal start. And wowed everybody, especially with his performance against Florida State. But if you look at the last half of last season, he was good but not great. You probably, in reality, if you had to sit there and really re-vote it, now postseason doesn't count, but if you had to re-vote it, probably Deshaun Watson may have been the guy that was the best guy out there at the end. But for one thing with Lamar Jackson, he's won it, and they can never take it away from him. Only Reggie Bush allows that to happen. But they can't take it away from him. So he got it. But what's interesting is I watched a little bit of the North Carolina game against Louisville before I went over to Beaver Stadium on Saturday. And he did some really nice things against North Carolina, but it was like, oh, how can you? He's a high Oh, he's got to be the front runner. Just slow down. Let the season breathe. Once we get to the halfway mark, who are the legitimate Heisman contenders? There's no need to hype it every single week. No need. I mean, he performed well, but I wasn't blown away by what I saw. I thought he performed well. I thought he played a good game. Yeah, big on hype. You know, I'm, I'm big on results. I'm big on eye tests. I'm not big on hype. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merce family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. ESPN's Adam Amin coming up in the next half hour. One of the truly outstanding young play-by-play guys out there. He really knows how to call a game. He's got a good feel for it. And he's got a lot coming up this weekend. I know he saw Alabama in person last weekend. He's got the Vikings and the Steelers on radio on Sunday. That'll be good. You know, Jack's being honored the 26th of November. Sunday night game with Green Bay. I'm going to go down for that. Uh, it's, uh, 
I, I know it's it's a it's a crowded weekend. I've got a basketball game at three o'clock in the afternoon on Friday here with Oral Roberts. Then I'll just go down that night, Thanksgiving weekend, then go down that night to College Park, do the Maryland game with Jack on Saturday, then get back here, and then I, I'm gonna I want to go down Sunday. I know I got to be back to teach class on Monday. I know that. But you know what? Anything that's ever happened with me, he's always been there. And anything that's happened with him, I've, I've been there. And this is just one of those, you know, he's going to that Steeler Ring of Honor or whatever they're going to call it. Uh, hall you know, hall of Honor, yes. Hall of Honor? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a big deal. It is. And since I think it's a big deal, I'm going to go. Yeah. He, he looked at me the other day and says, no, no, no. He said, I'd, lo- I'd love you to be there. But I said, just don't worry about it. I'm going to go. He says, you're not going to bring... I said, no, the suit's not going. <laughs> My multiple Steelers ticket sources uh, have, have dried up on me for the Green Bay game. So <laughs> that's probably the number two most high-in-demand game for Heinz Field this, uh, this season, right behind the Patriots game. Right. Now, I understand that. Oh, yeah. But I'll go through the public relations office, see what I can do there. Or Ron Moeller... Makes Ticketron look like chumps. Moment, <laughs> you're in. Moment, moment, getting it done. Moment. Ron looks at me the other day. He said, "Did you say something disparaging about me?" I said, "All I said was Jack Ham, Steve Jones, and Ron Moeller." And I paused. <laughs> Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Penn State, Georgia State, Saturday night, 7.30. Ron, beginning at 6 o'clock. Very pleased to bring in the outstanding, and I mean outstanding. I don't care what the sport is. Play-by-play voice, Adam Amin. Adam, welcome back. It is always a... Pleasure to have you with us. Oh, man, Steve, it's great to hear your voice, my friend. It's been too long since we got a chance to catch up. It has been a, in a while, and you are, you are on a roll with game after game after game. Uh, I know you had the Alabama game the other night. Just give me a quick thumbnail just on the look test of what you think of them. Uh, I think defensively they showed off their depth because in week one they lost uh, four different players, all at linebacker two for the season in uh, Terrell Lewis and uh, being one of those guys, Christian being the other guy. I mean, they've got two great uh, inside linebackers. It was uh, Christian Miller and Terrell Lewis. I was trying to remember the names. And they lost Rashawn Evans for that week two game. And Anthony Jennings was out. He's going to be out a couple more weeks. So they really showed off their depth. Uh, There's still a bit of a passing game concern. Downfield passing game is not a strength of Jalen Hurts, but we knew that going into this year. I think they've got a lot of uh, lot of weapons on the offensive end if Jalen can develop his downfield passing game. And if he doesn't, they do have a young stud in Tua Tungabailoa who, who might get some more run this year. He was a big-time prospect out of Hawaii. So I think they're the number one team for a reason. I do think that uh, you know teams like Clemson are right there. I think Oklahoma's right there. Uh, so I don't know if Alabama's as good as they have been in years past, but I'll be curious to see how that develops as SEC play begins. Uh, the schedule gets pretty crowded for you. You've done a lot of baseball. You've got the Steelers and the Vikings coming up on radio as well as your usual college assignment. 
So for you, what does it take, Adam, organizationally to make sure that each game gets its justice because you are a pro's pro? I think it's uh, obviously you, bu you budget your time during the week uh, and you base everything around everybody else's schedule. So we have I, we just got off coaches' meetings on the phone with Arizona. Uh, we have Arizona at UTEP on Friday night this week, so I just got a chance to talk with Rich Rodriguez and the coaching staff at Arizona. So my week was built around that. My week was built around Wednesday I have these calls, so let me make sure by Wednesday I have just about everything I need to be able to talk about Arizona intelligently with the coaches. So I did a lot of my prep early in the week for Arizona. I'll slide over to UTEP for most of the rest of this day. Uh, and then in between, uh, I'll try to get all the skeletal stuff done for Vikings and Steelers. The, the difference is with the NFL, it's a lot easier just because it's streamlined. Uh, there's fewer players. There's no double numbers. A lot of these guys, you know, this is my sixth year covering the NFL. I've seen most of these guys throughout most of their careers at this point. But uh, I think for me, it's, it's a lot of just being able to draw back on other games and watching other games. You know, when Minnesota's on Monday Night Football, that makes my prep a whole lot easier because I pretty much have already seen what, what I need to see. So uh, a lot of that is just trying to build around what's next. And once you get to a certain place in a game, you want to make sure that you're locked into that place uh, when it's game day. You don't want to worry about other stuff. So just budgeting that time, Steve. I know, you know you've dealt with the crossover between basketball and football before. I know you know what that's like. So uh, it's a very similar process on our end of things. Yeah, same thing in you know, baseball as well. I, I have found, and I talked to Eli Gold about this, because you just saw Alabama. I talked to Eli about this a couple of months ago. And he'll do Alabama football, basketball. He does softball, baseball. Years ago he did hockey. And I do baseball, football, basketball. And each of us agree. We felt that the change of sports kept us fresh. Do you find that with what you do? I think it, it keeps my energy levels up when uh, when it's when it's the middle of a tough season or where you're really getting into that overlap. I think that that extra thing to worry about, that extra thing to prep for and 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 refresh with, I think that does keep the energy up. Yeah, I, I do think that it can be a grind, especially when we come around to November or uh, for me when it's May and I'm traveling to do NBA playoffs and college softball uh, when we're in you know the middle of uh, baseball season in September or in the, you know towards the end of the regular season and really starting up on football yeah that overlap can be tough but it does keep you fresh it keeps you alert it keeps you motivated uh it keeps me working it keeps me sharper to keep you know to make sure i'm budgeting my time the right way and focusing on the right things and and it helps me be more efficient i need to be efficient as a as a preparer uh of athletics and i think that uh, that all these elements play a big role in that uh, you mentioned you got Arizona and UTEP coming up. I think I believe Brandon Dawkins is going to be the starting quarterback for Arizona in this one. It, it, it looks like they've got two, three guys they can possibly go to. What did Rich Rodriguez say about that situation? Yeah, and they've got really four guys that they could play at that position uh, between uh, uh, Brandon Dawkins, Khalil Tate, Donovan Tate, who's uh, I think one of the more fascinating stories in college football, former major league draft pick. Uh, turned college football player at 26 years of age, and then Rhett Rodriguez, the son of Rich. I think uh, any one of those guys could see time, so that adds to our preparation as well. But uh, Brandon is going to start. Uh, there's a lot of similarities between him and Khalil Tate. Uh, Rich Rod felt that it was necessary to get a spark going against Houston when their offense was struggling a bit, and Brandon Dawkins got a little bit nicked up uh, dealing with uh, a shot to the ribs. So Khalil Tate came in, provided a little bit of a spark, but it doesn't really change much of the game plan for Arizona, we were told. 
Uh, Brandon and Khalil are, in the words of Rich, more similar than they are different. So I think that's a good way to describe those two. But uh, a lot of teams in that in that league are are set at quarterback, and I feel like Arizona is one of those teams that's still trying to find its way. Uh, I think that's the strength of that league, if anything else, is the quarterback play. And UTEP has a series of injuries that they've got to deal with right now. How tough has that been, especially where they are? How tough is it for a program like that to overcome that when they don't have a lot of program depth? Yeah, I think that's the that's the, the great separator, right, Steve? In in college football, especially, is is what are your twos like? You know, and and even if you go into your threes, are your threes as good as your twos? Are your twos as good as the other team's ones? And I think that that really makes for for the the parity that we do see in college football. But it also leads to a lot of programs uh, being at the top of the spectrum a little bit too. I mean, Alabama doesn't have to sell too hard. And, and I go back to right what we just talked about. They lost four linebackers against Florida State, and it's almost like they didn't miss a beat in week right. two against Fresno. Granted, a, a different opponent, uh, arguably an inferior opponent, but their twos played like ones on Saturday. So I, I think that is the great separator in college football, and Arizona's battling that right now, especially on the defensive side with a lot of freshmen playing. You and I both know, Adam, based on how teams have to practice these days, that tackling is something that, that isn't going to be done a lot of in a practice, both at the pro and at the college level. Uh, how tough has that been to watch the fact in the first two, three weeks, tackling is not quite what we're up to standard-wise? Because usually once October starts, it's, it's back to normal. You know, it's funny, and I, I've added that question to my weekly preparation when I talked with a defensive coordinator, and I asked that to Marcel Yates today, and I said, hey, how, are, how do you feel about your tackling in the first couple of weeks? And he actually said, better than I expected, which is an answer that is, uh, is fairly common uh, on the positive end of things these days because a lot of coaches, a lot of coordinators are convinced that the tackling is going to be the death of them. And, and that's the case. And don't get me wrong, there's some great backs and, and great strong receivers out there, but we're seeing a lack of skill, a lack of technique when it comes to tackling. We're seeing a lot of targeting calls early, uh, as, as we typically do and we typically have during this targeting era these last four or five years. Uh, we're going to see a lot of targeting calls early as players remember, hey, I, I can't launch myself into a guy and I can't leave with the crown of my helmet and, and all that. Uh, but we're seeing a lot of that. Uh, there are plays that I've seen where a guy will get tagged with targeting because he lowered his head or used the crown of his helmet instead of just putting a shoulder into a guy that he's going to be able to tackle in space. Instead of being proper and going at it with a shoulder lead into the chest, you know, you've got the head start. You've got the running start. There's no reason for you to not lead with that shoulder and stay in the strike zone. Uh, and I think it does take a couple of weeks. You said it very accurately, Steve. Once we get to October, that's probably going to start to tail off and we'll get back to more form tackling and, and better technique as you get a couple of games under your belt. But it is a concern. It absolutely is. The practice has a lot to do with it. And, and guys still making adjustments from what they did in high school or they were praised for being hard hitters. You do have to adjust to that, and that's the point of the whole targeting rule uh, in college football. And nobody knows what the rule is, uh, <laughs> even the people <laughs> in the booth. I'm talking about the I'll, people I'll, in the I'll, replay I'll booth. Real quick, real quick, my man. I, I will say I think the rule is much clearer than people realize. Yes. I do think we can do a little bit better on the TV end of things explaining those things, and I take pride in, in knowing the exact – permutations and the axioms of the rules that are that are in play 
Uh, I think it's a little bit more clear-cut than fans realize, but we can always do a better job of making it more clear for them when they're sitting at home. You mentioned, uh, and I mentioned earlier, you've got the Vikings and the Steelers radio side coming up on Sunday. What are a couple of things you're looking for in that second game of the season? And you mentioned Bradford had the big night. Steelers got out of Cleveland with a win. So what are you looking for? Well, listen, Ben plays at home as well as anybody, as any quarterback in football. I mean, I, I, I've yet to see a marriage of stadium and quarterback that has been more lucrative than Ben Roethlisberger and Heinz Field <laughs> uh, for whatever reason. I think I think the only place he loves playing more is Cleveland because he's got more wins in Cleveland than I think uh, their quarterbacks do over the last uh, 15 years or so. But since uh, they came back in 1999, Ben Roethlisberger yeah. has more wins in Cleveland Stadium than any other quarterback, including Cleveland quarterbacks. Exactly. I mean, there's there's nowhere that uh, that he likes playing more than Heinz Field, except for for Cleveland. So, uh, I, I I I just think he's got a comfort level there. He likes the turf there. He likes what the the sight lines are like there. Uh, obviously, the home crowd is behind him. He, he he really knows how to run that offense, and they're really smart fans in Pittsburgh in terms of how they react when the offense is out of the field. I'll tell you, man. I thought Bradford looked great. You know, NFC Offense Player of the Week honors for a reason, but. Uh, I'm excited to see how Dalvin Cook does against this defense. Uh, Pittsburgh, to me, has still been a consistent stalwart on defense, even if they haven't been ranked at the top uh, like like they were a few years back. I still think they're one of the top defenses with some of the best talent in the league. And and I think, you know, between Watt and what we've seen from Shazier in the past couple of years and what they have up front, even though they uh, – they lost to fought to it. Uh, I, I still think they're a stout defense, and I want to see Dalvin Cook go up against that D. I think that's going to be a really fun matchup. And do we see an improvement from uh, from from Le'Veon Bell? You know, minimal production yeah. in week number one. Uh, you know, and obviously they had a tough game against Cleveland, but uh, that Minnesota defense is no joke either. So I want to see how they scheme against Le'Veon Bell, and I would imagine that Mike Tomlin can have a few more tricks up his sleeve to try to get him involved this week. You've also done a fair amount of baseball this year as well. What do you think of what we're seeing from Cleveland after they won their 21st in a row? Uh, their pitching staff has been as good as anybody's in baseball, and I give a lot of credit to guys like Mike Clevenger and, and Josh Tomlin and Trevor Bauer. These guys have been question marks a lot this year and in years past. Uh, could they be feasible uh, starters in that rotation? And I think Mike Clevenger has made as much of a jump as anybody in baseball this year especially stepping into a role that at times has been a, quote, number two starter in that rotation with some of the injuries that they've dealt with. So uh, this side of Chris Sale, I think Corey Kluber has been the best pitcher in the American League. I think the month uh, where he was on the DL in May actually helped him because after he got back from the DL, after a little bit of a rest and resting up his back, uh, he's been lights out just about every time out. So I think he's... uh, Next to Chris Sale, he's probably my, my favorite for Cy Young in the American League. I think he's pitched fantastic. And, and this offense is great. You know, Ramirez, uh, one of the best values in baseball for a third baseman. Uh, yeah. What a jump he's these last two years, and he's getting pennies on the dollar compared to some of the other third basemen in Major League Baseball. I thought they were, they were going to be in this position earlier this year. Uh, despite that slow start, I think through about 60 games, they were playing 500 ball. And I figured at some point, and I saw him a bunch early in the season and in the first half, I figured at some point they'd get back to playing to their level. And sure enough, they've done that and beyond uh, with this incredible record-setting win streak, longest in American League history. It is absolutely remarkable. And they're fun to watch. They're actually a fun team to watch. This is not a robotic team that we're watching out there. 
And, and it starts with Tito. I mean, Tito is not a robotic yeah. by any means. He's got as good of a personality and, and has as much fun and works uh, as well with his players as any manager in baseball. He, he's a player's manager. Uh, he has respect for the guys that he has in that dugout, and, and they have an equal amount of respect for him, and, and you can understand why. Uh, the guy really does get the most out of the personnel that he's had, whether it's been in Boston or whether now in Cleveland these last couple of years, he's been as good of a manager in baseball as you're going to find. You're so good at your craft. What is What gets the juices flowing that allows you to really enjoy the craft that you're in? A reminder that... Uh, this really is the best seat in the house. Uh, mm-hmm. We all look for we all look for outlets, and we all look for conduits to provide sparks for us. Uh, whether it's uh, whether it's an ener- you know a boost of energy or whatever it may be, but when you when you're in a, a booth and you feel that crowd kind of feeding you and and giving you that almost nourishment to to your body that that it needs to get through some of these games. That's what we kind of live for. And, I mean, you're in the booth with 100,000 people on, on a Saturday night. Uh, it, it's hard not to feel that in some capacity. When you're in, a, where, when you're in an NFL booth and there's 70,000 people going nuts at a, uh, at a stadium, it's hard to not feel that. And that's what keeps me going. I'm sure that's what keeps you and a lot of us uh, going during these long seasons and during these grinds. I feel like those, that's one of the things that, that maybe the fans don't really get to experience. You know, that's something that we're lucky enough to, to get that opportunity to feel on a weekly basis and we try to do our best to to kind of permeate that through the airwaves in whatever capacity we we can so i think that's a big reason why we keep getting up for these very well said my friend our paths don't cross often enough you are doing great great work and we appreciate the time you gave us here today anytime for you guys my friend adam amin joining us from espn he is one of the best without question what a great talent he is and when he's doing a game you just sit back and just enjoy the broadcast he's that good we will come back with more in a moment on news radio 1070 wkok all right uh, coming up uh, tomorrow georgia state at football coach sean elliott's going to join us also on the Penn State Coaches Show featuring James Franklin. He'll be joining us at Permani Brothers tomorrow, but also Russ Rose is going to be on the show tomorrow. So home runs across the board with Russ Rose and with James Franklin tomorrow night. Penn State is 7-0 and under Russ this season. It is the 18th time in Russ's career they have opened up 7-0. and and all seven wins have been on the road. Pretty good. So that's and they've got the they're finally at home this weekend. They've got the Penn State Classic coming up this weekend. So, uh, one interesting baseball note: the longest home run I think I've ever announced in my career was Brandon McKay. National Player of the Year out of Louisville. And he is a great prospect. But you know what made him really interesting? He won the John Olerud Award three consecutive years at Louisville. Now, you win that award because your ability to pitch as well as to hit. 
His pitching numbers at Louisville were off the charts. His hitting numbers at Louisville were off the charts. Last night, Hudson Valley, whom he pitches for, whom he uh, plays for, all right, uh, won their way into the uh, league championship series. And he came out of the bullpen and he got the clincher as a pitcher. He is a very interesting player uh, in all of this. I mean, he allowed one hit over five scoreless innings last night. And now they're going to get Vermont. But this guy is a really interesting prospect. He is already the number three prospect in the entire Tampa Bay organization. And he's at this level. They say he's probably the best two-way draft prospect since Dave Winfield. And as a junior... He went 11-3 and at Louisville with a 2.56 ERA. He struck out 146 batters in 16 starts. Then at the plate, he hit 341 with 18 home runs and 57 knocked in. Now, and he hit a 448-foot home run. A 448-foot home run at Medler Field LeBron Park. I mean, it cleared everything. And he can, you know, he's from, he's from Blackwell, right? So he's a Western Pennsylvania guy. He was the fourth overall pick in the draft. And not only did he hit his team into the championship series, he also pitched his team into the championship series. At this level, that doesn't happen. Now he is, now you're saying what holds him back? The only thing that holds him back is speed. That's why when he plays, he's a first baseman. But check out this name for the future. He could be the kind of guy that gets to the majors and can do both. And what I found interesting in talking to the Tampa Bay brass about him is that they want him in the minors to do both. Fastball's good. It's 90 to 94, so he's almost to that average fastball area for the majors at 94. He gets it to 96. Now he's going to have a plus fastball. Oh, and by the way, he's not exactly uh, taking a vow of poverty. He is signing bonus with seven million seven thousand five hundred dollars. Sports, weather, and your home for the Phillies. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury.